This, this gives you the personal opportunity to say something to the Lord. Amen? So stand on up. Come on. Bow your head, close your eyes, whatever. The Bible says, in the presence of the Lord is fullness of joy, and God inhabits the praises of the people. So, you know, faith is this, that you believe that God is God. If you don't believe God is God, you don't acknowledge his presence. He's here. He's here everywhere you're at. But when the congregation of the upright, he's very powerful. So they say this, Father, I believe with all my heart that you are here to heal, to lift up, whatever. But, Father, you're here. Holy Spirit, open my eyes, my ears, my heart, and my mind to what you're going to say today. Because I believe with all my heart, all my mind, with open eyes and open ears, that I will be changed by the Word of God in Jesus' name. Once again, find somebody, tell yourself, I'm going to be changed by the Word of God today. First of all, I want to uh, welcome and congratulate and appreciate you who are veterans that serve in the armed forces. Would you stand to your feet? If you've ever served in the, served in the armed forces, are in the armed forces, thank you so much. Thank you so much. We acknowledge the fact, you know, I grew up in an age of uh, where a lot of my friends, and I very, me, me with a very short time, uh, that were in the armed forces. I lost some friends in Vietnam. And uh, I remember the sad stories they would tell about coming home in their uniforms and being spit upon and stuff thrown at them. I'm glad we've grown out of that stupidity in Jesus' name. And so we recognize the fact that uh, law enforcement officers, all the people, EMS, whatever, and guys in the military, women in the military, thank you so much. We appreciate what you've done and are doing for us and to anyone that's listening to this online or CD or flash drive, whatever, I thank you if you're hearing this. If you're overseas, whatever, thank you so much for your service. One announcement I want to make, and I hope you understand this, but this was uh, recommended to us, and I want to do this, is that we're going to be doing something a little bit different. Um, 30 minutes after the service begins, we'll be locking the front doors. You can go out, but if you are late, there will be somebody there to let you in. But we realize that we're all in here, and there's nobody out there, and anybody could just come in. Now, I believe in God. I believe in security and all that, but I'm taking recommendations not to be stupid where some idiot wants to come barging in here or worshiping God uh, ain't going to happen. So just be on the safe side. If you're coming late, don't worry. You can still get in. But 30 minutes into the service, when you come in, we will open the doors for you, but the doors will be locked so not anybody can just come in. So amen? So you feel safe? Believe it or not, we do that mostly for our kids, for our children. And so thank you so much for understanding. Amen? Put your hands out to me, please, as we pray. Father, I believe in the name of Jesus that your Holy Spirit is present. And in that presence is fullness of joy. I believe in the name of Jesus that not one sick person in this room can leave here unhealthy. I believe in the name of Jesus that depression must lift. Sorrow. Godly sorrow is okay, but sorrow for the wrong reason must go. And I come against ignorance, against the truth of God's word. I believe in the name of Jesus that we are living in a day and age where the power and the majesty of God will be so evident that you're going to have to go out of your way to say, I don't believe in God. Lord, release your power here today. It's already released. I thank you that your power is behind my words. 
God, I speak with your authority and your power in Jesus' name. And everybody said, so last week, we had an incredible service, if you were not here. And I asked people after speaking about someone we've ignored for quite a while, and many churches are ignoring, and that is the Holy Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit of Christ, God incarnate, who wants to reside within us, the Holy Spirit. I believe that churches that don't acknowledge the Holy Spirit will just be dead churches. I don't want to be a dead church. I want God to be alive and real, moving in our midst. He is alive and real. And when Jesus Christ came to this earth, he came for two reasons. He came to present to us the character and nature of our Father God. If you want to know who God is, if you want to know what he's like, he's not spooky. That's what I've been praying for because that's the way I was brought up. Didn't go to church. When I did go to church, my dad was Greek Orthodox, and, and we went to another whatever denomination we went to that week, and I got afraid of God. And this is what I've been praying. Lord, I want to take the spookiness of God out of my life. I don't want to be afraid of God. I, I don't want to think that going to heaven is, you know, I die, and it's, uh, uh, I'm going to stand before God, and there's a big gavel, and I'm going to have to, you know, going to play my life out before me. And when Jesus Christ died for me, that's been done away with. I want to be on this earth. I want to have the joy of the Lord, the peace of God. And when I get sick, I'm going to fight it and defeat it, as I've been doing this week. And when things come against me, I'm going to be able to strong because God's going to be with me. And so when Jesus came, he came to reveal the character and nature of God. God's good. God loves you. He gets more joy out of giving you stuff and giving you health and giving you peace, giving you joy. And he gets so thrilled when we're thankful for it, he can't help it. When Jesus walked on this earth, uh, there was a woman that had an issue of blood, and, and she was believing. I know if I just touch him, he's gonna be, I'm going to be healed. And so G she just came near Jesus, and Jesus is like this thing that's just, just waiting to latch on to something good. Because he said, I felt virtue flow out of me. How would you like to be like that? Just to be around people who are sick, and you feel a power go out of you to heal, or a power to go out of you to lift the spirits of people. The bottom line is God, our Father, is present. And all he wants to do is looking for magnets. Magnets of good. I, I want everything God has for me. A magnet. And so that woman's faith pulled the virtue out of Jesus and she was healed. I want to be like that. So Jesus came to reveal the character and nature of our mighty God. He came and offered himself as the Lamb of God without spot or blemish. Jesus who knew no sin, became sin for us. I, I, I want you to get this down inside your gut. We're sinners. We can't help but do stupid things. And what happened was we were all destined to die. Humanity was going to be annihilated. All of us would be sent forever apart from God. And God the Father said, no, I love them too much. So before the earth was even created, before even man was created, he sent Jesus says, when the fullness of time was come, Jesus came. Born of a woman, born under the law, he came as a man. And he came here on this earth, and without sin, he bore your sin on a cross. And God punished Jesus for us. There's nothing you can do to earn your own righteousness with God except believe that Jesus has already done it for you. After Jesus suffered, physically and mentally, you think that would have been enough? No, they hung him on a cross, 
and in terrible agony, receiving upon himself the punishment and the wrath of God reserved for mankind, Jesus yelled out, it is finished. Let me say it. That was a, an accounting term that they just recently discovered in a garbage dump years ago, actually, in Egypt, and they found this term that Jesus yelled out. And it was a Greek, kind of a street Greek language, and it meant paid in full. So when Jesus died on that cross, he yelled out, paid in full. All your sin, all your dumbness, stupid, everything you've ever done, God knew about. He, he, he lifted up Jesus on that cross, and Jesus gave himself up voluntarily. And the wrath of God was poured upon him. So every absolute stupid, rotten thing that's going on in your life, if you just say, Jesus, I don't want this in my life, he already paid the price for it. He was revealing the love, the character, and nature of God. Jesus became the Savior of all who would receive him as the Son of God and their Lord and Savior. To maybe a very young generation, ah, it's just Jesus, he's just some religious guy. No, 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 no. You better sit down and get quiet and say, who is Jesus to me? He is the Son of God. There's a bigger plan that's gone on than we can understand. And he came to this earth and died for us. And all we need to do to be redeemed, to be saved, to be restored, to right stand with God, is to believe what Jesus Christ has done. To believe is not a mental assent. To believe means I rely upon, I cling to, and I trust in Jesus. Every single day of my life. There's an interesting story about when Paul and Silas, who were preaching, declaring the word of God, were jailed. They've had it with these guys. So they put them down in the deepest, darkest pit of a dungeon. It's where all the human waste flow down into a big pit. And I can imagine them in chains, standing probably knee-deep in human waste, pitch black, rats all around, and they began to sing praises to God, that they were deemed worthy to suffer for his name. Imagine that. They were being sentenced because of talking about Jesus. What a way to go. What happened was there was an earthquake, a supernatural move of God, not a fairy tale, a truth. And it shook that prison so much that the chains fell off their hands, the prison doors opened up, all the prison doors opened up. And a jailer who was charged with keeping track, the jailers would live with their families within that prison. They were taken care of, but if the prisoner escaped, they died. And when, that, when he heard that earthquake, and he, and, he, and he saw the prison doors open. He's going to take, takes out his sword. He's ready to kill himself because he knew that if they, if, if they escape, they would torture him. He'd rather just die by his own sword. And Paul yells out to him, do thyself no harm. We are here. And the jailer, terrified by what he saw and what he heard, falls down at the feet of Paul and Silas and says, what must I do to be saved? Good question to ask today. When I die, I want to know when I stand before God that I will go to heaven, that I will spend eternity with good and not evil. Well, how could God create hell for evil? No, you choose to be apart from God. 
And so everything good is gone when you're separated from God. No health, no peace, no joy, no light, no health, nothing. Outer darkness apart from God forever. How could God be so mean? How could you be so stupid? That's the question. And so the jailer yells out, what must I do to be saved? When I stand before God, I will know I, know I will be right before God. What do I need to do? So did Paul and Silas read down a whole list of do's and don'ts? No. He says this. In Acts chapter 16, verse 31, and they believed, they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Believe, cling to, trust in, rely upon Jesus every day of your life. Oh, yeah, we live our lives. We have a normal life. We do what we need to do. But we have to understand that even when the first thing in the morning, Jesus, thank you. Thank you for dying for me. And have the confidence knowing that you're a child of God and God will never leave you alone. No matter what you do, student, warehouse worker, wife, husband, God is with you to perform in you that for which you were created, which brings you the most joy. No doubt, no fear. I love the word of God. Jesus and the word are one. For I will say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be alone, and I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? That's the attitude we need to have. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, not to be saved. To accomplish all that Jesus needed to do to satisfy divine justice, he had to become a human being. He had to become like Adam. He didn't come here as Jesus the Christ, anointed of God, I'm sorry, divinely appointed of God. He, he's God himself, comes to this earth as God. He could have wiped us out. He could have dealt with the devil right away. No, to satisfy divine justice, and I don't get it. Maybe you will. He had to satisfy divine justice, so he had to come here as a human being. Came here as a baby. He grew up just like we did. He had to learn the scriptures just like you and me. He had to learn to trust God. And he got to know God, and he knew his word. And I'm sure he was able to read the Psalms of David. David talked a lot about the Spirit of God. See, the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament would come upon them and then leave. He would come upon the king and the prophet and the priest and the judge. He came upon Samson and made him strong. He slays a thousand Philistines with a bone, a jaw, a donkey came upon the kings for wisdom, but he could only come upon. You see, because the vessels were dirty. But when Jesus came, he came to clean the vessels. So the Holy Spirit would not just be on and leave. He would come and dwell within. Well, here's the cool thing. Jesus, as a man, you got to recognize that, just like you and me, as a man, comes to this earth, grows up as a child, learns the scriptures, goes to rabbinical school, Basically, he's a rabbi, but he knows it's not enough. So he goes to be water baptized, and it says that the Holy Spirit came upon him. It alighted him, upon him. Again, remember, we're still in the Old Testament. Jesus would be considered an Old Testament prophet and king, priest, prophet, and king. And it came upon him, but it could lift. So he knew there was more. So when that Holy Spirit came upon him, it alighted upon him, it says in Luke chapter 4, 
that the Holy Spirit led him into a wilderness. Now, here's my question and my topic today. Jesus knew that without some help, he could never accomplish what Adam failed to accomplish. As a mere human, Jesus could not fulfill his mission without help. And after being baptized in the Jordan River by John the Baptist, it says that Jesus was led of the Holy Spirit into a wilderness. Now, thank God we don't have to go through one big wilderness experience. We go through little ones all the time. Trusting God in this situation. Trusting when we're sick. Trusting when we get an evil doctor's report. Trusting when finances are at. Trusting God uh, to do that. But we cannot accomplish what God wants us to do without the same thing, person, and anointing that Jesus needed. So the Holy Spirit says to Jesus, here, go into the wilderness. Now, Jesus is looking for the will of God. He's trying to find out what God wants him to do, just like you and me. He wants to know what God wants him to do. And so he's led to the wilderness. You know the story. He's tempted. He defeats the enemy by using the word of God that he put in his heart. And I love what it says here. He obeyed. The voice of the Holy Spirit went into the wilderness. Here's a key. He didn't have to obey the Holy Spirit. He didn't have to listen to the voice. He did not have to hear what the Holy Spirit told him. But it says in Luke chapter 4 and verse 14, when he did, and he accomplished in that 40 days what God wanted him to do to face the enemy, it says he came out in the power of the Holy Spirit. Wow, is that lacking in so many believers today. In churches today, the power of the Holy Spirit, the power to overcome the enemy, the power to overcome temptation, the power to overcome sorrow and fear and all those things that the enemy throws upon us, power to overcome the effect of our emotions. Thank God for emotions. But their ability to overcome me and and, and yank me all over the place and, and lead me where I don't want to go, I want to be led of the Holy Spirit, not of my emotions. Depression, anxiety, fear, lust, whatever. And then it says in Luke chapter 4, the Holy Spirit is upon me because, not just to pray in tongues, not just to feel good, not just for me, the Holy Spirit is upon me for this reason, to be a blessing to others. And to fulfill what it says in one of the books of 1st, 2nd, or 3rd John, My friend said, I know the word, I may not know the address, that the Son of God was made visible to overcome, defeat, undo, loosen, and destroy the works that the devil had done. Everywhere you look where Jesus is identifying a work of the devil, he's real. You don't believe he's real. And he had the Holy Spirit. Like I said earlier, here's the question. How did Jesus know and fully understand that voice that told him to go here? How did he know? How did he recognize it? Last week, I shared three things with you. Number one, a hunger for more of God will initiate the Holy Spirit's involvement in your life. A lot of you came forward. You told me you want the Holy Spirit involvement in your life. Well, now that you have the Holy Spirit, the acknowledgement of the Holy Spirit in your life is going to activate his power in your life to accomplish God's will for your life. Acknowledging the Holy Spirit. All of you that came up, praise God heard stories of some of you going out, and, right, Virginia, all, in the shopping, you're going shopping. All of a sudden, she started praying in tongues. 
I've had people tell me I was doing this, and all of a sudden I started praying in tongues. Man, you're hungry for God. It's gonna, hey, you can't force this. But that's just an initial sign, and it's not the only sign. Changes are going to take place in you. But you've got to acknowledge the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Not above Jesus or God, the Father, because the Holy Spirit will always point you to God. But don't fight that thing that's in you now, the Holy Spirit, that wants you to go to church, that wants you to read the Word, that wants you to pray, that wants you to seek Him with all your heart. Just like me, I'm just like you, you're going to feel an urge to kind of get down on your knees and just thank God. You're going to feel an urge to just say, thank you, Lord. You're going to feel an urge to sing. You're going to feel an urge just to praise the Lord. And some of you, I know that's happening to you already. Don't fight it. It's the Holy Spirit in you. So an acknowledgement of the Holy Spirit in your life will activate his power in your life to accomplish God's will for your life. And three, a dependency on the Holy Spirit's power will enable the fruit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit to operate in your life and that you will hear, clearly hear his voice. Many of you came forward for all that God has for you. You came forward because you want the Spirit of God to fill you. You surrender to the possession of his presence in your life. Now what? You're probably saying, well, did I really receive him? Did I really become baptized in his presence? question is, how submitted are you to let the Holy Spirit into your life? And how committed are you to hear the next step in your life? Again, I'm going to repeat what I asked right in the beginning. How did Jesus know that voice? How did he know it was the Holy Spirit? We hear voices all the time, don't we? How did he know it was even the voice of the Holy Spirit? Because I believe that Jesus was determined to follow God. I heard a, 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 an analogy one time. It was incredible. There used to be a, a actually, I, I don't remember watching because I didn't watch that much TV growing up, but there was a program on. You guys are going to help me out, and thank you because you're going to reveal how old you are. There was a program where there were three curtains that you had to choose. Anybody know the name of that? Let's make a deal. Is that still on? Yeah, they still do the deal with the curtains? Some people think God's like that. Right? You ask God in your life, you ask the Holy Spirit, and he gives you three curtains. Choose. If I remember correctly, they'd open one curtain, it'd be a goat. The next curtain may be a sack of flour or something. And then the other curtain would be an all-paid, a two-week expense paid trip to Hawaii or something. God's not like that. There's one big curtain. And when God opens that curtain because you're asking for all that God has for you, it's incredible. It's wonderful. It's not wrought without trials and temptation, but it's great. You say, Lord, I want all that you have for me. See, Jesus was determined to follow God. And there's two words that Jesus would say over and over again. Hunger and thirst. I believe that Jesus was hungering and thirsting after all that God had for him. I believe that Jesus was seeking first the kingdom of God in his way. Well, well, he must have known everything. No, he had to be here as a human, or he would have violated the rules. Believe me, Satan was making sure that God kept the rules. You can't give Jesus any special stuff. He's got to do this on his own. And so he says, I know I can do it. I'm going to ask for the help of the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit's on him. 
found an incredible story in Matthew chapter 9 and saw something I'd never seen before. In Matthew chapter 9, Jesus is walking, and this man who's a Jewish ruler by the name of Jairus comes up to him and says, my daughter's really, really sick. Can you heal her? And he says, sure. And he's on his way to heal his daughter. This woman comes behind him, the woman with the issue of blood, and interrupts the whole deal. And the woman gets healed. And they come to Jairus, and they said, don't bother the master anymore. Your daughter's dead. And Jesus told him, hey, don't worry about it. And he goes there, and he's going to heal this daughter not only heal her, he raises her from the dead. Guys, we're about to see stuff like this going on. It's going on. I'm, I'm going to be teaching at this international Bible school next week, and I hear these guys, some are pastors, and I hear their stories. And when they used to say, we want to be like the churches in America, I said, oh, my God, you do not want to be. Because they're, they're raising people from the dead. They're getting Muslims saved by the thousands. They're changing, and, and they're putting their life on the line. Anyway, Jesus heals this girl, raises her from the dead. Wow, what a crowd's following him now, huh? Woman healed from an issue of blood. A girl raised from the dead. It's getting spread out, and Jesus is walking. I don't know about you, I'd be following him. And so he has this massive crowd following him. And I read in the story that even though he has this incredible crowd following him, and like normal people, they're pressing in to be touched by him, there was something that kind of jumped out when I read this account. It's found in Matthew 9, 27. And when Jesus departed, remember, everybody's following him. He was moving. He's walking. The two blind men followed him. Two blind men followed him, crying out. What's the big deal? Two blind men following him. I, I told Brian I wanted to use an example, put a bag on his head. And have him stand there and me stand here and say, Brian, follow me. And just walk around. Well, you know, you'd be stumbling all over. How, how, do you, how do blind people follow somebody? And what a lesson in this that jumped out at me. It says that they were crying out, Thou son of David, have mercy on us. Another gospel accounts, it says that Jesus kept on moving. He ignored their pleas. It says they kept crying and, and, and shouting out. And it's interesting, that word crying means to scream and to yell and to plead with a loud voice. I think they were determined. I think they were hungering and thirsting after Jesus that he would touch them and be healed. Amen? What's well, the big deal? <laughs> I just couldn't get this. I mean, I, mean I, I was fascinated by it that two blind men followed him. How do blind people follow somebody? How could somebody follow him that could not see? They couldn't see? How could they follow someone they couldn't see? I found out over time, and with a diligent effort, blind people develop an incredible sense of hearing. They're not, they, they can't see the distractions. They can't see something that tells their minds this is impossible. They can't see the things that cause us to be diverted. Or distracted. They can't see. But blind people develop an incredible, with effort, 
And with time, they developed an incredible effort to hear. And what were they hearing? The voice of Jesus in a crowd. Now, I've also heard the stories of mothers who can hear the cry of their children in a crowd and recognize it. I'm sure Judy's downstairs teaching the kids, but I'm sure if Judy was in the crowd and she said my name, I could hear her. In fact, there was a woman in the store the other day, and uh, we were in Home Depot, and the husband was going that way down a long aisle, and she was standing there, and she's yelling, hey, babe. Every guy turned around. <laughs> now, I recognize the voice that it wasn't my babe calling babe, but I knew the word. It's the same way. Could we learn to block out what we see and only recognize the voice of God and the voice of the Holy Spirit? And that comes, my folks, with effort and diligence to just kneel before God in a quiet place and say, Lord, teach me to hear your voice. Teach me when my body's screaming one thing and the news is screaming another thing and you know, religious people are saying something else, that I can learn to filter that out and recognize the voice of your Holy Spirit and obey your voice. What a great request. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, his right way of doing things. It takes the voice of God to lead us and direct us. Listen, there's something the Word of God says, taste and see. Woo, taste and see. So thank God I have my sight, but I want my sight blinded to everything distracting me so I can hear the voice of God, so I can stand there in that front row and hear that voice say, there's somebody there with, with my wife, Judy. She had just started coming, and, and the Spirit said to me, there's somebody that has a growth between their toes. I make people nervous. So sometimes I get pretty specific, and it was her. Laid hands on her, and the next day she said there was a big hole between her toes, and whatever was there fell off, and she was healed. Not to embarrass you, my sister-in-law, Lori, she got healed, remember? Right? She had a really bad, bad, bad report of uh, what's Crohn's disease. Yeah, there's your witness. Hmm? There's, I, I mean, I can point people out here. You've come up to me and said, God healed you. Because if you hear the voice of God, see, my question was, why didn't Jesus just respond to these guys? Why didn't he just stop? You know, in fact, one account says, and they, some say one blind person, one says two. It's irrelevant. The point is, why didn't Jesus deal with them immediately? In fact, the disciples saying, shut up. Shut up. You're bothering the master. And they wouldn't give up. You've got to be tenacious. And says that Jesus called them forward and said, what do you want? You would think Jesus would know. Oh, I figured, well, maybe he just wanted to speak it. No, you know what I realized? That Jesus only did what the Father told him to do. And apparently he wasn't saying anything about these two guys. Because when he said, okay, let's see what's going on here. What do you want? And what did he say? What did he say to the woman with the issue of blood? He didn't call her up. And these blind people, I mean, they were yelling at Jesus, but he wasn't being led of the Spirit to do anything yet. But he then called him forward and said, what do you want? We want to receive our sight. The woman of issue of blood didn't even address Jesus. He just said, I believe if I touch him, I'm going to be healed. And what did he say to him? Thy faith 
has made thee whole. I begin to realize that many times we can hear as leaders or even you hear the voice of the Holy Spirit to say do this, but many other times your faith will rise to a level where you're a magnet. That's why I believe God that during worship and praise one of these days, people are going to jump and go, I got healed. Or what must I do to be saved? <laughs> days are coming if we adapt ourselves to hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit, blind men following God. We're all blind. We're all blind. And then when Jesus saves us, the scales fall off our eyes, but we still have to learn to listen to his voice and to see what God wants us to see. I'm glad you all came forward. But you say, well, nothing happened. Yes, it did. A door was opened. And now the Spirit of God saying, listen, listen. Listen, so if you can get quiet enough to sit down somewhere and put God first and say, Lord, speak, and I will listen. Blind men following Jesus. How did Jesus know the Holy Spirit was speaking to him to give him directions? The Holy Spirit in you now, folks, is to give you direction, instruction, and power. Say it, direction, instruction, and power. But if you don't listen, how about you? I have my GPS. And my GPS has an attitude. You ever notice a change of voice when you don't do what they tell you to do? Recalculating. Or something like that. <laughs> when you and I learn to put aside what we see and develop our sense to recognize the voice of God, we too will receive direction instruction, and power to do what God asks us to do. When those of us who came forward receive and have received the fullness of the Holy Spirit, I believe you received him. I really do. However, with that blessing comes a responsibility of learning to hear his voice. The first thing you do to hear his voice is you've got to get into the word of God and hear what God says. Because the Holy Spirit will never say anything other than what God has already said. I want that promotion, and the Holy Spirit told me to kill you so I can take your job. That's not the Holy Spirit. I've heard people say, oh, I couldn't help it. The Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit doesn't put a hook in your nose and pull you around. The, prop, the spirit of the prophet subject to the prophet. So you, he's a gentleman, you say to the Holy Spirit every day, Lord, Nothing can happen to me without your permission. And, Lord, I will follow your voice of the Holy Spirit. Wouldn't it be great to have Jesus walking alongside of us, and yet the Holy Spirit is called the Spirit of Christ? Christ, who could only be in one place. Jesus, one place at one time, now can involve himself in you, all of us, and can speak to us individually. You need to also take the time to praise God with your voice. And you will find yourself beginning to speak out sounds and words you don't understand. You give yourself the opportunity to speak those sounds and words that you don't understand, but it's the Holy Spirit speaking mysteries unto God. He uses your tongue with permission. Jude 20 tells us to build ourselves up with our, uh, build up our holy faith by praying in the Holy Ghost. What's that? It's praying in tongues. The Bible tells us to pray in the Spirit and pray in our understanding. The Bible tells us to sing in the Spirit and sing in our understanding. 
I remember one time being at my cousin's house. I was going through a, when my dad passed away. I'm in the shower, and I'm just singing. It, it sounds like I'm doing Gregorian chants. I have no idea what I'm singing. And my cousin, man, that's beautiful. What is it? I said, I don't know. Singing in the spirit. Hallelujah. The word of God tells us the hunger, the thirst, to seek all that God has for you. The two blind men who followed Jesus didn't go by what they saw. They, they, they followed his voice. They followed, I would like to put it today, they followed his word. They believed his word. They believed him. They followed him. And because you're following, the Spirit of God can move mightily in your life. The Holy Spirit is your comforter. He's your guide. He's your instructor. He will lead you unto all truth, just like Jesus promised. And as with any relationship, it takes time, so make the time. And believe because Jesus told us to ask, we will receive. And because he told us to seek, we will find. And because he told us to knock, see, it's progressive. You can ask, but you may have to seek a little more. It takes a little effort. And then knocking, it will be opened unto us. And I'll end it with this statement that Jesus made in Luke. He says, if your father on earth, if you ask your father for bread or meat, an egg, would he give you stone or serpent or scorpion? Of course not. Well, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? Ask and you receive. Seek and you'll find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. You came up to receive the Holy Spirit. You can receive him right there in your seat if you weren't here last week. Lord, I want all that you have for me. And then it's now your responsibility to say, Lord, I want all that you have for me. Holy Spirit, open my eyes to the truth of your word. Holy Spirit, guide me today. Holy Spirit, instruct me today. And Holy Spirit, infuse me with your power to do what I need to do. Because the first and foremost reason for the Holy Spirit in your life, are you ready for this? It's to change you. And others around you will tell you something's happened in you. And you say, that's God in me. Amen. Every head bow, every eye closed. The door to the Father. Jesus said this, not me. There's only one way to come to the Father, and that's through me, Jesus. And the only way to receive the Holy Spirit in your life, which is God's gift to you, is the open door of your salvation through Jesus Christ. You may be sitting here today, and you may say, you know, I, I hope I did everything I need to do when I die. Well, you don't have to. It's not going to be you doing it. It's going to be God doing it through you. You're not able to do good things without the Holy Spirit. You're not able to pray right without the Holy Spirit. You can't sing right without the Holy Spirit. You can't do anything without God working through you. We're not puppets. We're not robots. But the biggest obstacle between you and God is sin, guilt, shame. We've all done dumb things. The Bible says, come boldly before the throne of grace. A time of need. Some of you are sitting here today and you're good people. God loves you. And you're really trying to make God happy. He already is. He already loves you. He wants to be involved in your life. It's what you do with Jesus.
I want you to see a little door on your heart, and I want you to open it up. We're going to make a confession so Jesus can come in. Ready? Let's say it all together. Father, your word says there are none righteous, no, not one, and I'm one of them. I'm a sinner, and I ask you, Jesus, to forgive me of my sin. Come into my life. Wash me clean. I say that in faith because your word says, if I confess you with my mouth and believe in my heart that God raised you from the dead, if I believe that you died for my sin, I would be saved. So Jesus, come into my life. Today I receive you as my Lord and Savior.